people asking like, oh, you do track, what do you do? And I say triple jump, they're like, oh, what's, what's that? So uh, triple jump's not that commonly known, I feel like amongst track people or amongst like even just people who are not in, really involved in track and field. So oft I often have to explain what it is. We, we act like it's a life or death situation, but it's really not. And it's like, you go out there and you try your best and that's all you can do. And so being reminded of that, I think really helped me to perform um, at, at the best level, whether I'm at the Olympics or I'm at a small meet, just remembering like, it's okay. <laughs> Everything's gonna be okay. You say no one wants to watch my event, but you don't cover the event and you don't promote mm. the event. So why would anyone know what the triple jump is or who Katoro Orgy is? And so. I'm Joshua Potts, Mr. Possible, always with the brother with the same mother, Aaron Potts, Super Hot Potts. And you're watching and listening to your favorite two black runners every single two black two. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We are back on another Tuesday. And I'm super excited about our guest today, Joshua, because I don't think we ever had someone from this particular event on the show. I feel like it's been a long time. Well, I got actually we missed we didn't do it. We didn't have a song last week. The last one we had was Obi, yeah. but Bro, it just I'm feels like we're getting back to the intro. rhythm. It feels like we're getting back yeah. to the rhythm, really. So it's really exciting just for that. Like I think the next couple of guests that we get in, like people are gonna be excited, Buzz gonna be coming around. It's it's hype. Like world championships coming soon. Like we we ready for track season. You feel me? Definitely, bro. And uh, the person we have today, we we you definitely need to know about them if you're gonna be watching world championships because they they may they may get a medal. They may take home they may take home something special. So people really need to recognize and that's what we do we, we introduce y'all to people that y'all don't really be y'all might know them but y'all don't really know them so i'm happy we have this person to, to describe to, to tell their story today yeah so basically let's just get into it bro we have a seven time u.s champion eight time ncaa champion two time olympian fourth at this past olympics actually 2018 ncaa woman of the year bowerman award winner in 2018 she she's she's a beast she's the triple jump american record holder ko katura orgy catch on the podcast with atlanta track club now residing in san diego katura ko catch how's it going <laughs> it's going great thank you for that introduction i am actually signed with mizuno now um no longer with oh. atlanta track club so just want to give a shout out to mizuno for supporting me <laughs> yeah shout out mizuno come on atlanta track club y'all missed out you feel me shout out mizuno you know <laughs> Let's take a moment to thank our sponsors for this podcast episode, World Champs Oregon 2022. Go get your tickets now for the first ever World Athletic Championships on U.S. soil. This summer, 2,000 of the world's best track and field athletes will compete for titles at historic Hayward Field at the University of Oregon from July 15th to the 24th. Get your tickets now at worldchampsoregon2022.com. This is our special Next Stop Oregon segment with Katura Orji, the greatest U.S. triple jumper of all time, talking about the significance of world championships being on U.S. soil for the first time ever. Hey, but um, back to the track a little bit. You know, we're teaming up with World Champs uh, 22 to get people. People need to know. People need to know about what's going on this year. We got world championships 
in Eugene, Oregon, man. And, you know, this is the first time it's in the USA. Big, super big deal. For you who's like won so many championships at Hayward Field, is it, does that bring you some comfort? Like, so are you, is that like a special place? Is that a special place to you at all? It definitely brings some comfort. Uh, what's crazy is the stadium looks completely different now. So when I was in there competing for uh, Olympic trials, I didn't even feel like I was in Hayward Field because it, it, mm-hmm. the way they redid the stadium, um, it's completely different. But it definitely brings some comfort and you just know the fans are going to be great there. They know, I know that they know me because I was there for NCAAs every year and I was also there for USAs every year. So it's like, you know that they're going to recognize you. They're going to clap um, for you when you ask for it. And so I appreciate the fans there and just, yeah, really excited to to go back there for another competition. And getting back there at World Championships would be amazing to be able to compete at that level. But Oregon 22, when you look at it and competing there, what you say, like, are you looking at it as like your comeback, your redemption story, a title defense, or like a journey to a top of the podium that you're really looking for for the first time? With any of those categories, what do you feel like really fits you? Yeah, I think the journey to the podium for the first time would definitely uh, categorize me. I've been able to win, as you guys mentioned, U.S. titles and NCAA titles, but I don't have any world medals under my belt, um, except for I won a silver medal at Pan American Games in the long jump, actually. And so I don't have any triple jump medals under my belt. And so I would, I would really, really like to uh, secure one of those and it would make it more special if it happened in Eugene. When was the first time you felt a Hayward magic? <laughs> um, I guess I would have to say my, my freshman year when I won my first NCAA title there. That was probably the first time I felt the Hayward magic. So it's real. I don't I don't know I don't know (laughs) I (laughs) hope it's real for everyone in the U.S. man yeah for sure (laughs) thank you to World Championships 2022 for sponsoring this segment and we can't wait to be in Oregon this summer watching the best athletes compete at Hayward Field (laughs) Mizuno got her in in sunny San San Diego what's it like being in San Diego training at that are you training at the Olympics uh, training center Yes, I am. Uh, really great uh, opportunity to be out here and train with some of the other best jumpers in the world. So excited to be here. But well, you just came off a of world indoors, though. Siberia, you feel me? You were out there and then you just had your first outdoor jump at uh, Mount Sac uh, the, a week ago from when we were recording this, basically. So how has just that been transitioning from that performance indoors? You also won the indoor national champion this past year too in the U.S. I believe you finished seventh at indoors, at World Indoors, now getting your first win outdoors and a triple jump at Mount Sac Relays. Just how is that transition too from your first jump indoors to outdoors? Is it, is it kind of weird? Like now you got some wind on your back? Um, yeah, I was, I was, um, I, th- I feel like I've just been building my season up. I, yeah, like, as you said, I played seventh at us indoor. I mean, at world indoors, I also played seventh at the Olympics in 2020 and played seventh at world championships in 2019. So I've had a lot of seventh places, um, on the world stage and a little bit frustrating, but, um, I'm looking to just build on where I uh, finished my indoor season. And I was really happy with my opener of over 1450. So yeah, just trying to get over that 1470 mark a little bit more consistently this outdoor season. Is that one of your better season openers, the 1450? Yes, it is. It's not my best. So last year I actually opened up with the American record. That was 1492, which is super rare. 
Um, but 1450 is like a kind of a typical opener for me. So I'm happy with where I'm at and just want to build on it. And I know I feel like I was like, when I was researching you, I felt like that 15 meter mark is like that spot you've been trying and reaching for and getting to. What is it that makes that 15? I mean, besides being super, super hard, but seeing super far, what is, what makes that 15 meter mark like so, um, so tough to get to and, and I feel like that's like that next that next stage and the next thing you're really you've been uh, going after for some time now. Yeah, the 15 meter uh, barrier is just a distance that not many triple jumpers have been able to cross. It's just like uh, how runners want to go under four minutes in the mile um, or like a, a female 800 meter runner may want to go under two minutes um, in the 800, that kind of barrier. And so I feel like I've been so close to it for so long. And that's why, and I would be the first American woman to go over 15 meters if I do do it. And so it'll just be, yeah, making history in the women's triple jump as I continuously try to do. I know you're still trying to figure out how to exactly get there, but do you think it's like the strength? Is it the technique becoming more smooth? Like how, how do you really judge that? Like, cause it's something that you never done or even American woman has done. So like, what is, what are you, what are your, what are your thoughts at least thinking that if I do this, I'll be able to get to that. Yeah, I feel like I've really uh, improved my technique the last few years. So right now, I think it's focusing on improving my speed on the runway and being able to carry that speed throughout my jump. And also just getting in the right competitions, because if I have top competitors against me, that really pushes me to the best I can be. And also just patience. Um, a lot of female triple jumpers are in their prime around 30 to 32. And I'm only 26. Really? So also just being patient with knowing that as I get older, I'll get better at the event and it may come when it, when it's time. I, I didn't know that, that that was when their, when their prime was too. And like thinking about it, like uh, UMR Rojas, I'm not sure how old she is exactly. Yeah. She's actually but, 26. So she's, she's, oh, she's same age as you. She's same yeah. Age. yeah. I was looking, I, I believe, so you got fourth at the 2016 Olympics when you were, when you were 20 years old and I was looking at it, we were gonna get into this later, but I just want to ask you right now. I was looking at it and I saw your first jump was like your best jump and it placed you. You were like in like second place and she passed you like on her second to last jump. Like that's what's so different. Like that's interesting to me because like in running, it's just like you're so it's so continuous. Whereas like the triple jump, you have like a that jump was great. It wasn't that everyone was jumping bad, like you jumped great that first jump. And then you're just like, oh my gosh, like going down to the wire, what's it, what's it like when you're in competition like that? And it's just like two more jumps to go. You're sitting in second place at the Olympics. Like, what does that yeah. feel like? Yeah. I feel like when I was 20, I was really just happy to be at the Olympics and not really even looking to get a medal. So I was really happy with the way I performed. A lot of people always like, Oh, fourth place, you just missed out. And I was like, yeah, but at the time I was so happy. I didn't think I could finish that high in general, but looking back, it's kind of like, I was so naive because you don't get the opportunity a lot. Like finishing fourth at the Olympics is a big deal. And so um, I kind of wish I had kind of like pushed myself more. Cause I remember in the moment being like, I am so happy, like yeah. <laughs> whatever happens happens. Cause I'm so happy with the way I performed. Um, so I kind of wish I would have pushed myself a little bit more for that distance. Um, and it is a little bit like stressful in the moment, knowing like you just have to improve by three or four more centimeters and put together the perfect jump to bump back up. Um, but I was so young, I was still in college, didn't really know. And so, um, yeah, I just needed a little bit more experience. Yeah, that, that's tough. That's, that's tough. Like just even in that moment too, like seeing other people like jump and try and better like your jump as you're sitting like in metal position, or even just a position that like you're happy with to move on. Are you watching other people jump 
or is that nerve wracking for you? Just be all like, dang, like they try, they really coming from my head. Like that may be some nerve wracking at times to try and like actually like see them and just wait until like the result comes up afterwards. Yeah, I do like to watch the jumps and see the distances come up because if someone passes me, that kind of gives me more motivation to improve my next jump. If I'm not watching, like if people are improving or or not, I kind of can become content in where I'm at. So definitely seeing people pass me is motivation to like, okay, we need to get going and we need yeah. to surpass them also. I kick, yeah, I kick things in the gear, kick it up a notch. Exactly. <laughs> what does, um, we're, we're really excited to you, uh, to talk to you too. Cause like, I'm looking at you and it's like, Brad, like you, you don't even, you never lost in the NCAAs really in high school. You really like, no pun intended, jumped on to the team, got like second at U18, like done a lot of crazy things, but you don't get that recognition. But I feel like you're creating this brand, like hashtag Kale the Comp. What does that, what does that represent? I'm a guest and say, I mean, something to do with your name, but or it just mean knock out the competition, <laughs> knock out the competition too. Is it like a play on words? Like, what is it? What does that represent? Is that like your brand a little bit? Yeah, that's definitely my brand. And it, you're correct. It's my initials KO. It stands for knockout. Also, not just Katora Orgy. And then, yeah, the comp is the competition. So knock out the competition. It was actually a hashtag my friend came up with in college. And I loved it so much. I was like, yeah, this is the vibe. And it's something that people sometimes will scream out while I'm jumping, like, KO the comp. Or, like, people see me walking past and I'll be like, hey, they'll be like, what's up, KO the comp? So kind of become a nickname also. Um, but, yeah, I just love that it's my initials. And I feel like it speaks to my personality, too, that my initials actually stand for KO. Um because yeah, in, in boxing, we know that as knocking out. And I feel like a lot of times, especially within college and at US meets, I am um, knocking out the competition. And that's my goal to do in all, every competition that I go to. Man, I really just feel like just from the beginning of the podcast and then looking through, uh, like researching for getting ready for everything, like looking through like your blog and like your website and just seeing like how you like involved in like financial literacy and like you're like learning Spanish and like all these other things. Like I feel like you've really like, um, I don't know. I feel like you've put a lot of stuff in place at such a young age, like to help to help you like kind of keep yourself on the right track in a sense. Like it seems like you're always busy in a way and that like from, from the get go, you're all like, I'm gonna try and do like all these other things just in case like track doesn't work out or something doesn't happen. Like. I'm gonna be able to like fall back and have these other interests and a whole bunch of different things that kind of like show like your personality in type of way. Like, like definitely like I was going through your blog a little bit. I was like, dang, this is kind of dope. It's kind of <laughs> cool. Just like how, where did that kind of get instilled with you to always, did anybody tell you that from the beginning to make sure that you have like all these different, um, all these different uh, type of, what's the, what's the word? Uh, hobbies or whatever on the side or mm -hmm. or was that something that was instilled to you from the beginning you feel like as you're as you're a kid yeah uh, well first of all i appreciate that um definitely well researched um i think it was instilled not on purpose but by my parents so mm -hmm. um my dad is nigerian and to him he didn't really care about track at all until he found out I could pay for college and school has always been number one num the number one important thing to him so it really was like, I don't really care if you won your track meet or if you are winning the state meet, did you get A's in class? Because that's yeah. what's most important. Like, I don't know about this track thing is fun, but like in real life, you need to do well in classes. <laughs> so I feel like with that uh, mindset, it just transferred over to like knowing that, yeah, you can go out to the track and perform well, but how are your grades? What are what else are you doing? How are you going to make money? Um, there's just so many parts of me and I know I have so many talents 
And I expect myself to be excellent in all of those areas. And so it really just bleeds into all my interests and passions. Um, and I love learning and growing too. So Spanish is a language I've always been interested in. I'm like, why not keep learning? Um, financial literacy, I majored in financial planning in college. And I've really seen how it's changed my life, knowing like how to make smart money moves. And mm -hmm. I know, especially in black communities or minority communities, parents don't really have the information to pass down to their kids and it often puts us behind. And so learning all that in college, I want to be able to pass that on to other people and uh, make sure that they're making the right decisions with their money. Yeah, so so is your, you said your dad's Nigerian. Is your uh, mom like fully African-American or both your parents Nigerian? Yeah, my mom is Black American. Uh, I think her grandparents were from Jamaica and Barbados, but it's very far removed. So yeah, she's just from New York. That's dope. We know that yeah, they don't be playing. They don't be playing. You gotta have your you gotta have your stuff right. And I could see. I mean, I have so many. We're not Nigerian ourselves, but I have friends who are Nigerian, and I just remember in high school, I feel like we like, have a large community in our town. Like honestly, we do, we <laughs> do, we do actually. But yeah, it was it was all my friend. Shout out Bogo. That dude, that dude was funny. He would always be complaining. His mom would be on him. But yeah. we also also seen like when you were younger, you were really you were a gymnast first. Like what really what drew you to gymnastics as a kid? Um, why was was that like the first sport you ever were really interested in? Yeah, I don't really know what drew me to gymnastics. I feel like I had a lot of energy and was maybe like flipping a lot on my own. So that's why my parents decided to put me in gymnastics. I did uh, dance before that, but not as seriously as gymnastics because I was on like the elite team and mm -hmm. com competing in all four events. Um, so yeah, I did gymnastics from third grade to eighth grade. And we like practiced 20 hours a week and it was like really intense. Um, but then I ended up quitting after eighth grade and started track in high school. What made you quit? Like, what about gymnastics? Were you not just liking it no more? It's like, it's just only club. Yeah, it, it was just a lot. So there's no off season in gymnastics. You are just training all year round and uh, you just practice the same routines over and over again. And you're shooting for a 10.0 perfection. Um, and it's just a lot, especially at a young age. Like I was trying to balance like all my schoolwork with also four hour practices during the week um, on weekdays. So it was it was a lot and I feel like I didn't really enjoy it anymore. So I was like, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to find something else. Do you still have some gymnasts in you? Like, are you still at practice sometime like tumbling or something or like going up and doing like that type of stuff? Yeah, I am. If you uh, check my Instagram, you'll see some, some um, like stories of me flipping and some posts of me flipping too. Cause I still really enjoy that. And that'd be dope if you hit a backflip after you like won at Worlds <laughs> or something. <laughs> That would, that. <laughs> that would that would be crazy. And the spikes. <laughs> yeah, Damn. that would that would be crazy. <laughs> Wait, so you started track and field your freshman your freshman year um of high school. Like, so why who who was that person? Was there someone in particular that was like, hey, like you would be good, you would be good at track, you should you should try out? Um, no, it wasn't really any person. I always knew I was really talented. And I used to race boys in elementary school um, and was always faster than them. So I was like, oh, I can be a sprinter. I can join the track team because I, I still wanted to use my athletic talent in some area. And so I reached out to uh, one of my friends um, that was on the track team and just asked her, like, how do I get involved with joining the track team? And she explained to me, like, oh, trial tour this time, showed up and yeah, started out as a sprinter, then tried a whole bunch of different events and eventually found long jump and started triple jumping my sophomore year. Wait, wait, did you say your hood talent? 
No. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Wait, I thought I, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought you said I want to still utilize my hood talent because you're racing voice in the street. I don't know. Yo. I, was like, I just have to make sure that we didn't gloss over that for a second. Okay. I'm, if I said that, I did not mean that. <laughs> that's funny. I, was, I was about to be all like, oh, that's a good comparison. Hood talent. That's good. <laughs> I didn't I never heard that before. I was yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm that's sorry. funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's what that's just what I what I heard at first. But when you went out there, I, I feel like when you first started like long jump and triple, I kind of feel like that is definitely those all feel well. You guys like shot putting and disc. Like there's definitely like a comparison to like gymnastics in a way, especially when you're doing um, what's the one with the uh when you run vault? Yeah. Yeah, they're exactly like it's sim- mm. but you're going like for height. Did you feel that similarity first when you started doing it and just like uh just like feeling at home in a sense, like this is like my event? Um, I don't think originally I noticed the comparisons between the sports. I think I more was just just knew I was like coordinated and could pick up on things pretty fast from mm-hmm. um all the things I learned during gymnastics. So I think that's how more of how it correlated, like just I have really good body awareness because like I'm flipping in the air or like I can change things quickly when my coach gives me feedback because I understand how my body works. So I think that's how gymnastics helped me. Mm. I feel like it's also like uh, explosive, like jumping and doing all those flips and everything. Also, I want to ask you, like, what is it? What's going on in New Jersey, man? Y'all got a thing move, you Sydney McLaughlin, you know, AJ, like what's going on? Like, was it like that? Well, when you were there, Sydney's like the same age as you. Uh, close. She's, she's younger. So her brother is the same. I was on a team with her brother, actually. Okay. Um, I think the under 18 team I was on with Taylor. Um, I was, I'm the same year as Olivia Baker. So I was, um, on a team with Olivia too. Um, well, Sydney was, yeah, I was like graduating when Sydney uh, became a, was a freshman or a sophomore. And then I actually raced Ajay in the 400 too, which we laugh about today. Uh, That's one crazy. One of our group meets, I raced, raced Ajay in the four. Who won? <laughs> now you know who won. <laughs> like, you know exactly who won. It was not me. <laughs> but was it, is it just really competitive in New Jersey? Is that a big, is track and field a big sport in New Jersey? Because like in California, it I would say track is, especially SoCal, like it's definitely a huge thing very competitive so hard just to make it to state yeah i, I think it's pretty big I, I don't know i just feel like we we just have a lot of talent there <laughs> yeah i'm glad it's getting like recognition and everything too like especially what everybody's been doing it's really cool to see just all those people from 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 that great area but i feel like once you start doing like the triple jump and you're getting like good in high school and everything like was it kind of like uh I don't know. This may be a weird question, but I, I feel like Dota was it like kind of like when people you like, oh yeah, I do track, you know, I do like jumps. Then like kind of have to always like explain like what sort of like what the triple jump is and like what like you actually do. Did you have to like kind of like run into that problem a lot like just like early on when like you were becoming more and more successful and talking to like your classmates or anything like that? Yeah, growing up, I definitely always have to explain triple jump, and to this day, I still have to. If people ask me like, oh. You do track, what do you do? And I say triple jump. They're like, oh, what's what's that? So uh, triple jump's not that commonly known, I feel like, amongst track people or get amongst, like, even just people who are not in, really involved in track and field. So oft- I often have to explain what it is. 
did that motivate you at all to like try and become better at the sport to like make it known when you're younger in any way or was it kind of just like oh it is it is what it is like i'm kind of you know just doing my thing yeah i don't i don't think i ever had the thought like oh i want to make sure people know what event this is but i i do think that's happened um not on purpose just because um yeah an era of greatness has started within the women's triple jump which has commonly been like a week event in america so it has been nice to like more people will show up to watch women's triple jump now that it's like me tori and jasmine moore all competing mm-hmm. against each other so i know in high school you were you were amazing and from what it sounds like too, everything you approach you approach it like with excellence and trying to be the best were you like when you first started the triple jump were you thinking i'm sure like trying to get that scholarship but was like going pro everything you imagined did you know that there was like professional triple jumpers out there i didn't so i when i started track it was really just for fun um i didn't even start track to um to go to college for it It was more again just something to do because i knew i was talented and um yeah for fun and then my junior year when I went to U18 and I finished with a silver medal on the long jump and bronze medal on the triple jump, that's when I realized like how big of a deal this could be. And I, I didn't even know like Team USA existed for high schoolers. So mm-hmm. um, after that, that was when I started getting college offers and things like that. And um, yeah, that was when I realized like, okay, this is going to be a lot bigger deal than I originally thought. And then even in college, that was when I started thinking about oh, I can go to the Olympics for this or I can make money from this. From When before, I was just thinking, like, I can get a, fo- a scholarship um, and school paid for with triple jump, so. And, and where was that, U18, when, when you were in high school? Like, where was it? Uh, where was the championships at? It was in Ukraine, and U20s was in Oregon. Okay. I feel like that would wake up anybody, you know? Like, <laughs> yes. you're all like, I'm in Ukraine doing triple jump. Like, this is- That's crazy. This is surreal, in, in a sense. Like, that was your first, I assume that was your first time out the country or, well, to Ukraine, most definitely. Yeah, it was my first time to Ukraine. I had been to Nigeria as a young yeah, kid before, so, yeah. Yeah, just to be able to, to do that, that's that's really, but I feel like that happens for a lot of, like, uh, I feel like a lot of the pro athletes that we've talked to, that we've spoken to, like a lot of them say like, yeah, I, I just did this for fun and everything. And once I went to like like U18s or once I went to like nationals one year, or some of them's like, it wasn't until like NCAAs in college that I kind of started to realize um, that I can do this. When it, when it looked like looking at like me and Aaron, I feel like, well, at least for me, like I felt like from the beginning, I was like, dang, I want to be a professional track athlete. But that's just because I have three other brothers that also did track and and like we're doing the sport and everything and i was like a fan from like a kid mm-hmm. so like do you feel like not having that not having like that type of uh energy and like you're kind of just like lackadaisical uh, you know lackadaisical yeah there yeah. you go <laughs> about like the sport in like the beginning was able to kind of like give you like that full attention towards the end or in some type of way yeah, I think uh, being lackadaisical about it kind of just removes all the pressure. Uh, sometimes when you're young and you're just putting a lot of pressure on yourself and having expectations, it can just make the sport not fun anymore. And uh, sometimes just makes you not perform well because you're putting so much weight on like one performance. And so I feel like the fact that I had other hobbies and interests and knew that I was talented in so many other areas, it kind of frees me to know like I don't have to 
my eggs are not all in this one basket. Mm-hmm. And if track doesn't go well, I know that there's so many other things to do. So it frees me to really just compete the best I can. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Um, that's life. But there's still so many other ways I can impact the world um, outside of track and field. So I feel like that's what's most important. Once you start getting to college, though, and like starting like trying to like win NCAA titles and start tr- taking it serious, did you try to start that you have to some, at times try and like catch yourself to be all like, oh, I'm taking this like a little bit too serious and have to push yourself back a little bit and, and branch out and do other things? Yeah. So my freshman year, I feel like was one of the major times I struggled with like, uh, I don't know if I was putting too much pressure on myself, but I definitely like uh, my mindset affected me a lot. So I remember going to um qualifications for NCAAs I think it's called regionals and mm-hmm. my I was ranked first in the triple jump and I think like top 10 or top five in the long jump and um it's compete you could be like east and west so it's only half of the colleges that I'm competing against you have yeah, to place yeah. like top 16 or top 24 I can't remember but anyways I should have easily qualified and I remember I qualified on my last jump in the triple I was not qualified for NCAAs until my last jump and then in the long jump, I like barely qualified. It was like one of the, my worst meets ever. And I remember calling my mom crying, like, I don't understand what happened. Like, I always perform well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I'm really worried about, I may not do well in NCAAs now, even being ranked so so um, high. And so my mom was like, well, you're going to call me every day and we're going to pray together and uh, discuss like being confident about what you're doing. And like every day from that meet up until like NCAAs, we did that. And I feel like that kind of calmed me about like track and field and like I really didn't struggle my mindset for like years and years after that just because I knew that like this is not that big of a deal because like a lot of times we 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 act like it's a life or death situation but it's really not and it's like you go out there and you try your best and that's all you can do and so being reminded of that I think really helped me to perform um, at, at the best level whether I'm at the Olympics or I'm at a small meet just remembering like it's okay <laughs> everything's gonna be okay Dang, that sure, was just just do what you can yeah do what you can and let god do the rest you know what i mean so i definitely definitely feel that and which is a great a great gym for anyone too and you guess you kind of answer my question because i was gonna i'm just wondering too like you come in your freshman year and you win secs indoor and then ncaa indoors you got second um and then you never lost triple jump again (laughs) (laughs) like I just don't even I just think it's just crazy that as a freshman you kind of had the maturity to do what you did the maturity first to just like talk to someone you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and then like go into your go into your faith pull from your faith to get yourself you know back on the handle and then you end up you win and see you win NCAAs and then you just never lose again like was the olympic was olympics on your mind already for in 20 in 2015 like because the next year is rio and you're like i'm really i'm coming in as top as top dog like what was that like yeah so olympics weren't really on my mind until summer of 2015 so after losing indoors um i remember being really upset because i knew that with my jump i could have won and then also I just felt like I didn't compete well. And I also was like extremely stressed out during the meet, like knowing that you can improve your jump, but not doing it, uh, just really dis- it was just really disappointing. And so I remember that feeling and didn't want to feel that again. And I also remember like thinking about, I want to get to a place where if I show up and my PR is let's say 48 feet, 
I know that even if I can only give 46 feet five inches today, I can beat the competition. Like that's where I wanted to get in, mm. um, to in my career, where it's like you don't need to have the best day of your career, Couture. You just need to show up and execute on a pretty good level, and you can win this meet. And so that's where I feel like I got into, especially my sophomore year and junior year. And that's when I started creating that consistency of winning. Um, and so summer of 2015, my coach, there was actually a, I think Pan American Games, but there was like another uh, USA team for like juniors. And I told my coach I wanted to do it. And he was like, uh, next year's Olympic year. I think you should take the summer off. And I'm like, Olympic year? Like I'm a freshman. Who cares about the Olympics? Like, I'm trying to make this USA team right now. Yeah. We'll worry about that later. But I ended up listening to him and taking off the summer. And then 2016, I remember I jumped the Olympic standard. And because there weren't many female triple jumpers with the standard, it was pretty much secure that I was going to go to the Olympics. And so I was really thankful that I had taken off that summer. And that was when the Olympics really became a reality for me. That's crazy. That's, <laughs> yeah, that that's crazy too. And to like, from your, from what you have done so far, like in, well, what you did in the NCAAs and then being that person getting forced, like there were just not many women, you get the standard and then you get forced at the, at the Olympics. It's like, you, like you said, you're ushering in this new era, this new era of athlete. But like going into the Olympic games too, it's, what's interesting is like, you already had so many, you had like experiences, like at that world level, what was like the biggest difference you seen though, when it was like with actual Olympians? Yeah, I, I feel like uh, my first meet with like uh, other pros, which was 2016 Portland World Indoors, I feel like it didn't prepare me that much for the Olympics just because like, first of all, it wasn't a long travel. So going to Oregon, it's probably mm. like a four hour flight. And I remember I got there, I competed, and then I went back to Georgia. So it wasn't like that big of a deal. And also the best triple jumpers didn't go to that meet. It was like, um, mm. like just like, like Yuli Mar was there and then like a couple other people, but like Ibar Gwen, a lot of the people I looked up to did not go to that meet. When I got to the Olympics, okay, first of all, you get a whole bunch of gear, like it's a big deal because it's the Olympics. Um, and then you stay at the Olympic Village. Uh, you see all of these celebrities, like I had seen Serena Williams there. I saw all the USA gymnasts. So like everything is elevated. And then on top of that, all of my competitors were people I used to watch on TV. And so I remember going to qualification day, like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here because <laughs> these people are like 30 and I've been watching you on TV and I'm 20 and qualified and don't really know what I'm doing here. So I remember I was kind of like freaked out and I ended up um, qualifying last, like there's 12 people go to the final and I finished 12th. So, um, I made it to the final and then that's when I ended up placing fourth. And I kind of had to remind myself in that final day, like you deserve to be here. You earned a spot and you're just as good as everyone else. So like show up and compete. Yeah. After, after that time, like being able to go through that experience, like you come back to the NCAA, like after Olympics in 2016 and go on, you get the Bomber Award in 2018 and everything like that. And I feel like we kind of seen that uh, a little bit of that similar with like Jasmine Moore this indoor season and how she's, I was like, she just came back from uh, the Olympics and then just killed indoor, jumped, jumped like 14, uh, 1452, like number, like top five, like all time, like with her jump and triple jump. Mm -hmm. Just how was that like experience being able to come back like, as Olympian, like back to the NCAA, do you just feel like, like you know, like you like you own this in, in a way? Like that's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a confidence booster, and it really puts into perspective the collegiate meets because you know, like if I can go to the Olympics and compete against the best people in the world, I can go to a college meet and compete against 
um, the best collegians. And so it really just gives you a confidence booster knowing like I'm prepared for pretty much any competition and also rest in peace to my collegiate record because that's what Jasmine Moore broke. Um, so yeah, I think, I think the Olympics is the best preparation for any meet. Like it's the highest level of our sport. Going off from that 2018 year, like you won some amazing awards, like Bowerman of the Bowerman Woman of the Year, and Indoor NCAA Championship, like all in the same, like all in that same same span, outdoor champion, everything like that. How was it to get like all that recognition, like in your 2018 year, your fi final year, and kind of like go off on top in a way? Like that's a that's a lot. Yeah, 2018 was definitely a year to remember. Um, Winning the Bowerman, I had been a three-time finalist. I think I was the first female three-time finalist. Um, so it was nice to finally get the win uh, going back so many times. Um, winning the, the team title was a really big deal too because we had finished second or third at like every single championship, indoor and outdoor. We continuously finished second or third. So to finally win um, was a really big deal for us. And then Woman of the Year to me capped it off. And that's uh, I think still one of my biggest accomplishments, just because it recognized me for my athletics, my community service, my academics, um, and my leadership. And those are areas that I sometimes feel like are, are looked over and people yeah. don't really see about me. And so to be able to beat other student athletes out um, that also did a lot, all the community service and excelled in academics, that, that really meant a lot to me to be recognized for those other areas um, that I really like to participate in too. So I was, I was really excited about that award. KO the comp for real though. I feel like you. I, I feel like you are overlooked a lot though. Like just looking, because like you said, you were going to Bowerman. You went to Bowerman three times in a row. Now there's no shade to anyone that won over you, but it's like if they would have not gave it to you in 2018, like it'd been like, bruh, you've been here almost every year of her college career hasn't lost, and then y'all won indoors that year and then y'all lost y'all lost outdoors by one point how yeah. is i don't i don't want to bring that back up but how was <laughs> how was that like oh uh, that had to be that had to be rough like it was 50 i just looked it up 52 to 51 what what event did it come down to it always so the thing about us is it always comes down to the four by four and georgia never had a four by four so all we were doing hmm. was wishing whoever we needed to lose was losing <laughs> because we never could do anything about it we were a very field event um heavy team so like all the field events would be done, they would still be running the finals. And we're just hoping that none of the other teams will catch up to us with their running points. And it always, when I tell you that it always came down to the four by four, it always came down to the four by four. In 2017, I think we needed, we needed USC to win and beat Oregon. And Oregon won the four by four, so we got second. Mm. In 2018, we needed anyone but USC to win and USC won. And you guys remember that race? That's when Kendall- That's when they caught it, the yes. Yeah. Wait, yes. And wait, the year before, is that when Raven ran down? Yes. Dang. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so it's like, if those amazing moments, which like, I love Raven and Kendall Ellis, so they ran, they ran great legs. Like obviously their team deserved it, but it's just always heartbreaking. Cause it's like, all we need, we just need this. And it'll happen. Dang. Like, second place again. <laughs> Hey, those are like hey. iconic Hayward moments too that like you'll see at the World Championships. They'll play those back this year at like the World Championships to hype up. So I'm sorry that, well, for all the Georgia that y'all got to keep on seeing that for like the <laughs> next 50 years because they, they're going to keep on running those those two clips specifically back for Hayward Field. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, they thought the Purdue, that Purdue girl was upset, but no. Yeah, we really, thought, we really thought we had it in the bag. <laughs> Dang. So... After like all these 2018 Bowerman NCAA athlete of the a uh, woman of the woman of the year, 
you went you won the triple in the long jump. You do so many things. And then it's it's time like, you know, to go pro if you if you wanted to. Like, is that something that you in, were interested in from the get go was going pro? Or did you already know like like that you want did you want to just go into financial planning or like what was your your mentality after you had graduated? Yeah, I definitely wanted to go pro and I thought the transition would be um, a little bit smoother. As you just named my all my accolades, like I thought that would for sure guarantee me like a good contract. But what few people know about um, track and field is that contracts, especially for field eventers, are not that good. And so it was really frustrating. I signed with my agent, um, Howie, which by the way, he's a great agent. Oh, shout out. Yeah, we love Howie. Howie. Yes. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah. And so um, when he started like talking to different companies and telling me like, oh, this company is not going to offer, this company is not interested. I was just like, what else could I have done? Like I finished fourth at the Olympics at 20 years old. I won NCAAs all the time. I'm the American record holder. Like I was kind of like, was there something else I could have done or just mm-hmm. this is what I would have gotten no matter what. So that was that's, that was how the transition was. <laughs> no, that's definitely, that's definitely tough. Like you are the best triple jumper of all time in America. And for you to sit here and be like, it was hard. Like, did you have the American record come out of college? I did, but Tori broke it in in May. Yeah, y- y'all were like going so back like, and okay. forth for a good minute. So y'all were, you were number one all time or number two, and you struggled to find find a contract. Like, what what is it that you would tell like these, uh, tell companies about like triple jumpers or like, or about field events, like what they can add, what are they missing out on by not, you know, investing investing in in the sport fully yeah I, I just feel like as most companies would talk about like diversity is important like you have young triple jumpers looking to buy shoe products too looking to buy spikes mm-hmm. um and looking to have role models um that look like them or do the same events as them and so if you only have sprinters there's a group of people that you're missing out on that you could really appeal to and i just feel like that's that's really the importance of it what was the thing that really stood out to Mizuno when they came to you and just thought like, dang, like I, I can I can be with them? I, I think Mizuno has always really liked that I was more than my sport. So like, it's not like I was just successful on the track, but it's like I cared about helping my community. Um, I have a good personality. Like, I think they really cared about my consistency and yeah, my personality and pers- being personable and caring about other people. Um, yeah, and excelling in all areas. And I think that's the main, that's what I was thinking too. Like when you invest in an athlete, you're investing in, in the person too, not just, not just the event. And it's like, you know, if the person is excellent at their event, as you are like the great, the, the greatest of all time from America, and then you bring so much outside, like you, you have personality, you're involved in your community. There's so many things about you that can be highlighted and can inspire so many people so that's where i think we're like brands are like really missing missing the mark there because you're, and you're coming from a different perspective coming from triple jump being a, a black woman having nigerian having nigerian parents there's like you have a you have an incredible you have an incredible story as everyone listening to this podcast can you know will understand so that's yeah well, i don't know we Joshua, we gotta figure out a way to get these stories stories oh. to the light more. And we try, <laughs> we try. But one thing too, like that I seen about you, like the community service stuff that you do, 
I don't I don't know, remember uh, what city this was or where it was particular high school, but like helping a high school get uh, sand for their pit. I think mm-hmm. that when I seen that, I was all like, dang, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. that's something that's definitely, you're not a jumper or anything. You wouldn't be really thinking about the sand, but I'm just thinking, man, the sand always soft. You feel me? Like you just put mm-hmm. the covers over it, you walk away and then you're coming back next time and it, you dive in, it's soft, like it's sand. Yeah. But like, I know, cause I coach now at a high school and I remember my head coach was telling that like, yeah, our, our sand is garbage. And I was like, <laughs> how could sand be garbage? Like, what, what are you yeah. talking about? But just like getting hard. Just what was that like experience and like, like donating like, sand to a high school track and i feel like that's definitely something for like i believe a high school would be super grateful for because i I bet that was a lot a lot to get done yeah so i think that was in 2019 um but atlanta track club actually set that up so they had like an exhibit or like an expo for me to jump indoors and it was like during their peach tree road race and everything so a lot of the runners and people that were visiting for the road race could also watch me triple jump and just grab some attention uh, to my event. Mm-hmm. And so all the sand that they used for the event inside, they were like, oh, we can donate this to a high school. And so they had me involved with uh, just going to the high school and taking some pictures there and um, yeah, being able to give sand to a high school in need. What were some of the, what were some of the like, cause you won Women of the Year award in, in college as well. So were you doing stuff like left like that when you were at, at Georgia as well? Were you just very involved in the community? Yeah, so I like to volunteer. There's there's so many different opportunities. Like a lot of times they wanted student athletes to speak to students. Um, you could like mentor students, meet with them like once a week. Um, you could, yeah, I've read books to students. Um, I know there was like a walk to school day that there was also. Uh, so a lot of just always events that they're looking for student athletes to participate in. And my senior year, um, the director of athletics at the time, asked me if I'd be interested in like starting my own mentorship program. And I was like, um, I don't know if I'm qualified to do that, which is something, I, something I've always struggled with. Like, you don't really need, as I'm getting older, you realize you don't really need qualifications to do things. Like people just do <laughs> what they want to do. Yeah. And uh, people kind of assume that you can do that. And really you're capable, as long as you do the research and um, you gather the knowledge, you're capable of doing whatever it is that you want to do. So um, I remember I was like, I don't feel like I can do that. Like. I don't know about it. And then they reached out to a high school for me and I decided to move forward with doing the mentorship program. It was called Amara's Pride and Amara comes from my middle name, Amara Chuku. And so it was just working with some um, like younger, mostly black women in the community um, in high school. So girls um, and mentoring them. And I got like a group of women mentors to meet with them. And um, we met twice a month and went over things like why health is important, um, why school is important, um, making good decisions, like things like that where like people aren't really talking to them about and they don't really have positive influences in their life. So it's it's good to like get them around different types of people and see what's possible for them. Yeah. And just on that idea of not like feeling like qualified for a specific thing, I feel like I was in that same thing when we started like two black runners and we started doing like our stuff in running report. Cause when we really started doing running report, I was only 19 years old. I'm like trying to like start like reporting on like running news or whatever, maybe still not qualified, but you feel me in 22 now and like still trying to keep it going. But I just felt like there was a need to be there in a certain sense. It's like, I'm just going to, you know, just do it. But then just with all the stuff, like trying to do that extra stuff in a sense and like all the volunteer work that you were doing. One thing that was going through my mind, I was like, wait, this 
this girl was winning NCAA titles. Like she had practice, she got homework. Like why? Like don't you got <laughs> you got other stuff yeah. to do? Like there's a lot of a mm-hmm. lot of busy. Like I know it's definitely a great thing to do, but like why why like why why go out of your way and like spend this extra time when i'm pretty sure there is at times there is definitely pressing matters like at hand that you have to get done but they put yourself take your put your put your time on hold and other things on hold then go do something out of your way why do that yeah i i think uh we make time for the things that are important to us a lot of times people are like oh i'm too busy for this or i don't have time for this which may be true but we always make time for what's important to us so giving back was important to me and that might, I think that mostly came from my parents, but also from my faith. Um, I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. And just knowing that throughout the Bible, we see multiple times where Jesus cared for um, the poor, the widows, um, the marginalized. That's the groups that Jesus consistently compared, uh, cared for. And I wanted to emulate that. So uh, I do have time and I can make time for the things that are important to me. And I, wanted, I want to help people when I can and give back to people when I can. And that's something that's important to me. It's also important to my husband. I don't know if you guys know I'm married and that's like one of our life missions that we want to do together, just giving back to people. Yeah, this man, Jesus was hanging out with lepers. People did not <laughs> like lepers back in the day. You feel me? Like this dude was chilling, chilling with lepers, all type of prostitutes, talking to prostitutes like, bro, like Jesus, what you doing? Like, aren't you supposed to be holy? But nah, bro, I'm speaking the gospel, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's good though. No. Yeah, and Jesus was busy too, man. That, that, that dude had a lot, a lot of stuff going on, bruh. So, exactly. you know, <laughs> it was definitely. But another thing that I wanted to talk about outside of like just like the track, and we definitely we already mentioned this, like your blog and everything. Um, as you can see, I, I, I've oh well, first, first, let me start here. You have a lot of different things on your blog, and definitely shows like a lot of like your interest from like uh, like YouTube and hair and financial financial literacy and everything. And as you can see, I have braids. So Katura, I need some advice, bruh. Like, dude, <laughs> this is what happened. Let, let, hear me out, hear me out. This is what happened. So I, I got the braids right now. Don't got a lineup. We don't got to talk about that. But uh, I had like an afro out for a little bit. And the right side, it's like getting shorter. You feel me? It's getting mm-hmm. shorter when it's all gone out. So I need to, this is everyone listening right now. Y'all can just listen into our conversation. You feel me? I'm sorry we do, we do railing, but I need help. I need help. Like the right side, it's shorter. I just got a satin pillowcase. I've been sleep, sleeping on that. Like for, I did not have a satin pillowcase at, at first. Don't, don't get on my head. You feel me? Like I just, I just learned about it. But uh, what, what do I need to do? Like, how do I need to get my hair back and healthy? You feel me? And like striving, you know what I mean? Do you, do you, um, do you do different things to the different sides or it's usually the same routine on both sides? Uh, what do, what do you mean things like sleep? Like how I sleep? Like how... No, like the way you take care of each side. Like, is it the same? Wait, what's taking care, bruh? Like, what do you Yo. Like, <laughs> you wash like your hair? Shampooing to condition. Yeah, you to come shampoo my hair. You feel me? You feel me? Um, do you part your hair on one side more often? That's what it may be. That's what it may be. Cause like how we were parting the braids, we're parting this side more. And like this part was shorter and then would like go over this way. Yeah, but also sometimes some people's hair just grows uneven. Like that's just how your hair is. So that may also be it. But parting does affect it too. Like sometimes your hair will thinner, will get thin or um just like yeah, shorten on the side that you keep parting. So maybe switch Put them on some oils. Put them on the oils real quick. What kind of oils do you need to be putting on this head in this head? Uh, it just depends what works for you. We're all different. Um, I mean, some be- I use coconut oil sometimes, but some people are completely against coconut oil. I like Jamaican black castor oil for 
thickness. Um, I like tea tree oil for the scalp. So yeah, it, it depends what works for you. But the good thing is I have blogs hey, on hair care, so you can check them out. <laughs> hey, see, see, hey. we call that an alley-oop. We call that an alley-oop <laughs> on Two Black Runners, you feel me? Check out Katura's blog in the show notes. I, mean, I gotta get myself right. I gotta get myself right. Hey, but um, back to the track a little bit. You know, we're teaming up with World Champs uh, 22 to get people, people need to know, people need to know about what's going on this year. We got World Championships in Eugene, Oregon, man. And, you know, this is the first time it's in the USA. Big, super big deal. For you who's like won so many championships at Hayward Field, is it, does that bring you some comfort? Like, so are you, is that like a special place? Is that a special place to you at all? It definitely brings some comfort. Uh, what's crazy is the stadium looks completely different now. So when I was in there competing for uh, Olympic trials, I didn't even feel like I was in Hayward Field because it, it, the mm -hmm. way they redid the stadium, um, it's completely different. But it definitely brings some comfort. And you just know the fans are going to be great there. They know I know that they know me because I was there for NCAAs every year. And I was also there for USAs every year. So it's like, you know that they're going to recognize you. They're going to clap um, for you when you ask for it. And so I appreciate the fans there and just, yeah, really excited to to go back there for another competition. And getting back there at World Championships would be amazing to be able to compete at that level. But Oregon 22, when you look at it and competing there, would you say, like, are you looking at it as, like, your comeback, your redemption story, a title defense, or, like, a journey to a top of the podium that you're really looking for for the first time? With any of those categories, what do you feel like really fits you? Yeah, I think the journey to the podium for the first time would definitely uh, categorize me. I've been able to win, as you guys mentioned, U.S. titles and NCAA titles, but I don't have any world medals under my belt, um, except for I won a silver medal at Pan American Games in the long jump, actually. And so I don't have any triple jump medals under my belt. And so I would, I would really, really like to uh, secure one of those, and it would make it more special if it happened in Eugene. When was the first time you felt a Hayward magic? <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I would have to say my, my freshman year when I won my first NCAA title there. That was probably the first time I felt the Hayward magic. So it's real. It's real. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I just so, hope it's real for everyone in the U.S., man. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Wait, Katura, do you be clapping when you clap? I do. It just depends. So not on every, not on every jump. Uh, usually if I have a big jump out there already, then I'll start getting the clap going, but like, it's all business first and then, and then fun. <laughs> hey, who has, who has the best clap though? Like what stadium do you feel like that you've been to or meet that you've been to always like, yeah, they, they, they on point. Who got the most rhythm? That's what, that's what they on beat. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I feel like Paris Paris did. So Eugene is really good because everyone will clap, but they also like going fast, really, really fast. Like you start and next thing you know, they already, <laughs> they already got the round of applause going. Uh, but I feel like Paris was really good or Monaco because both of those countries really, really appreciate the triple jump. And so their fans, like they know the vibes. That's dope. That's dope. I, I really, I really like that. And that's the thing. That's the, the clap is definitely, I feel like synonymous with every single, just about even in the shot put, they'd be clapping sometimes. That gets people mm -hmm. hyped up every single time when when they get a field event. But we know y'all don't get the acknowledgement that y'all truly deserve every single meet. 
And so I want to ask you this question as we start closing out the podcast, like what is one of your biggest strifes just like with watching track and field and being a fan of track and field? But then I don't want to just be on the negative. Like what's one of the biggest pros right now and the biggest ups that you also see from watching tr track and field right now? Um, I think one of the biggest positives uh, with track and field has been the story around Shakari for sure. That got a lot of, a lot of people that never watched track to, yeah. to show up and watch a track meet um and also just seeing like i've seen like relays go viral on like reels and instagram so like i feel like track videos do go viral more often now and um there's definitely some popularity picking up in some yeah. areas even like with having i think dk metcalf raced a football player raced last year um devin allen signed a nfl contract but is racing so like getting other people from different sports running that really just uh tracks attention to the sport um my biggest strike, which I think most field adventures will say, is just that they don't show, they don't cover our event well at all. Um, for example, I was just at Mount Sac Relays. I won the event and I jumped well. If some, show me where on USA Track and Field Dang. or anywhere you can you see that I did that. Like I've seen, I've seen the uh, Michael Norman, Fred Curley, and Rye Benjamin 200 race. I've seen Twanisha Terry win the hundred. I've seen Gabby Thomas winning 200. Like I've seen all of that multiple times on my page, but I haven't seen anything about the the women's triple jump that happened where the American record holder won the meet. Um, so it's like you say no one wants to watch my event, but you don't cover the event and you don't promote mm. the event. So why would anyone know what the triple jump is or who Katora Orgy is? And so uh, that's definitely one of the biggest drives for me, just not good for the event coverage and not good explanation of it either. Um, some people don't even know like what's the board where are they measuring from? Mm -hmm. What's a foul? Like some basic things that need to be explained throughout the event. Yeah, man. I feel like to be known as a triple jumper, you got to be the best ever. Like that's really, that's really where, where we at, where we're at, you know? Cause I mean, the only, like, I'm gonna be honest, the only triple jumpers I really followed before you was like Will Clay and- <laughs> Christian Taylor, and they're constantly like Christian Taylor, you know, come on, this dude gets gold all the time. And then mm -hmm. Will Clay, he has that silver. But I also just feel like, you know, there's gonna be more favor to them being men as as well, too. That's another thing. But I feel like people know about triple jump right now because uh Yumar Rojas is just breaking world records. Mm -hmm. But what if she wasn't, like how much coverage would we really be even seeing of it? Like exactly. like period so exactly do you have do you do you feel like you have like a do you ever have a chip on your shoulder too with being a triple jumper um and, and having to like constantly prove yourself just to you know earn sponsorship um not really i'm, I'm one of those people that's kind of like just gonna i'm just gonna let it roll off my back like whatever happens happens i'm i'm here to make money and uh to be excellent again you can keep hearing me saying excellence be excellent at what i do if people don't want to recognize me for it i'm not going to force it um i know who i am and i know my value and that's what's most important i'm not gonna not gonna really beg for it or try to go crazy for the attention yeah let them let them come to you you know let them come to you i, I like that and i think i think it was really i think what you what really hit me when you said that like you're not gonna let people know that the american record holder and the tri triple jump just competed or American record holder in the high jump when Vashti is competing too. Like mm -hmm. that, that's definitely, yeah, that's not right. But 
How'd you like Hummer Large Stadium, though? It was the new stadium, you feel me? Like, being mm-hmm. out there. How'd you like experiencing, like, the new stadium of Mount Zach? Yeah, I loved it. So I also competed there last year when it was new, uh, but there weren't as many fans because of yeah. COVID. So it was nice to get the full experience and, uh, yeah, have all the fans out there. And there's more people competing this year. Um, so, yeah, just really exciting to be there. And I'm also going to the USATF Distance Classic, which is May. It's like end of May-ish at Home mm-hmm. Lodge Stadium. So I'll be back there again, triple jumping. Oh, I, actually, since we're kind of derailing right now, I got a question, too. So, like, how was it for a triple jumper competing in COVID when there's no one in the stands? Like, do you get amped off of people being there and like having those claps sometimes? Or was that was that weird not having anyone in the stands and just jumping? Yeah, it, it is a little bit weird because you definitely have to get yourself like hyped up. Even like in Tokyo when there are like a couple athletes there and a couple like coaches in the stands, like I tried to get the clap going, but it's like no one was really clapping and uh, it wasn't that loud anyway. So it's like mm-hmm. in that moment, you have to like forget about all of that energy stuff and like bring it out of yourself because like no one else can give you the hype right now. So you kind of hype yourself up, um, have to hype yourself up by yourself. Um, so yeah, it, w- it was kind of difficult, but I also can like push myself to certain parameters when I need to. So it was like, I was, I was kind of able to balance it when I need to. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a weird experience. Cause even, I would just racing with nobody's weird, but then I'm like, to do like a field event when it's our yes yeah, yeah I, I don't even know I don't, like I can't even speak to the experience that's just weird but yeah. another thing that I feel like was probably weird for you I was scrolling through your Twitter that you experienced an earthquake like a couple weeks back like yeah. <laughs> and you just been in San, you just been in California what for like two almost three years now just how mm-hmm. was how was that like how was that experiencing an earthquake I think that's just kind of really interesting like your first time experiencing that yeah it was really weird because it there were like two parts to the earthquake and so the first one a truck had driven by at the same time. So I was like, oh, the truck is, you know, sometimes the truck is big, it'll just like shake the house a little bit. So I'm like, oh, it was just the truck. And then the yeah, truck yeah. passed by and things were still shaking. Like I was in bed and things were shaking. And I'm like, is the house falling down right now? Because I <laughs> yeah. feel like it is. And then I texted my roommate and I was like, was that a roommate? I mean, was, was that a roommate? Was that an earthquake? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, that is so crazy. Cause like, you could just feel everything shaking. You were like Will Smith in that, uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air episode when he experienced earthquakes. <laughs> so that you, you got his, te- his teddy bear in the, where are they, in the attic or something? Yeah, they were stuck in the, yeah, they got stuck in like the base, the basement or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I would much rather take an earthquake over any anything, any other natural, I don't know about, well, if it's a massive, oh, San Andreas would be crazy. But like, uh, like a hurricane or a tornado, yeah, give me an earthquake any day, bro. That's true, that's true. Earthquake any day. Also, another question that we just like to ask just as we close out and just have fun with it. What upcoming music are you listening to and just who are some of your favorite artists? Um, that's a hard question. So um, many. Upcoming music. I don't know if I have. Oh, I think Kendrick is about to release an album and I love Kendrick. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, who do I typically listen to? I love Afrobeat. So I listen to like WizKid, T.U.I. Savage, Burna Boy. Um... I also, uh, I don't really have, I don't think that many favorite rappers. I kind of just, if I find the song and I like it, then then I go mm. with it. So it's not really based off of who made the music, it's how it sounds. That's what really will resonate with me. I got a question for you too. Like, who are your, do you have any athletes? Who are your favorite all-time athletes? Anyone that inspires you, that you look to, look, look to or yeah. try to be like? 
Yeah, if anyone has seen or read one of my interviews before, Serena Williams is my athlete. I love her so much. I love her energy. You can tell that she gives 100% all the time. She expects herself to win all the time. Um, she's received so much backlash and a lot of hate from like news outlets, from referees and things like that. And she just remains true to herself. Like she's kind of like, I don't care if y'all think I'm too angry or y'all think I shouldn't wear this or whatever comes to her. Like she really doesn't care. She's going to keep doing her. And uh, yeah, and she's going to be great at it too. So I, I really love Serena. Yeah. Did you get to talk to her when you saw her in Rio? No, there was, she had a whole line for pictures. So I literally just put the phone <laughs> up and smiled and then <laughs> and kept it moving. <laughs> That's tight though. I, I want, man, I would love to go see, see Serena play. Most Me definitely. too. I want to go to, I just want to go to a tennis major one day. That's one, one of the things I want to check off, like my sports checklist, sports yeah. bucket list, go to a uh, tennis major. But also another thing, like we'll have three more questions and then we'll get you out of here. And I, I want to bring this question back, Aaron, because I think Katura would be, I think this is a great question for you. But we'll just keep it to three, three people uh, dead or alive that you could have a dinner with and just like talk it up and chop it up. Like three people that are, they can be like, they can be family, they can be celebrities, they can be friends, but just three, three people that you would have dinner with and just chop it up, talk and just talk about anything. Um, okay, number one, Beyonce, which I didn't mention her for uh, music, but I love Beyonce. Um, as I feel like, as y'all can tell now, I love people who do things great all the time. So like <laughs> Beyonce's performances, are great. There is not a better performer out there. And you'll see some singers, like some people can sing, some people can dance, but they're not going to do both. And they're not going to do both really mm -hmm. well. Beyonce does both extremely well. Thanks. She is not going to put together a performance in 30 seconds. She's not going to go up there and just have the mic and sing. No, no way. She's going to have meaning behind it, depth behind it. She's going to practice for hours. Like, yeah, I love Beyonce. So just talking to her about like how she processes things and decides on what she wants to do. Um, throughout her career. Yeah, I would, I would love that. Um, the other two are kind of hard. I mean, I, I think I would want to, yeah, sit down and talk to Serena, uh, going back to her, just again, learning about how she processes things. Um, who else? I don't, I don't know if I can think of someone else. I, I think I'd want to talk to like a business person though and um, get their mindset on like how they start businesses and how they've had successful businesses mm -hmm. um, and things like wow. that. Just because my husband's really interested in making, uh, creating businesses and like even like helping other minorities, like uh, like being able to finance them and help them establish their business too as we get older. And so I'd love to learn more about that too. Like Madam CJ Walker? Maybe that's a, that's a little that's a little far back. back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, was, I, was just, I don't know why that came into my head. I think it's because we were talking about the hey. hair. You feel me? I think that's why that came. You feel me? Yeah, Yo. maybe maybe someone a little more current and like <laughs> involved in social media. You know, like hey, she she, she may have some innovative ideas. You know, for social media these days. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but as we that's close a good out, combo though. That's a good combo. You got uh, Serena. Uh, Beyonce, throw in like uh, I don't know, Charlemagne, Kevin Hart, or something. Somebody, <laughs> you just put Jay in there. Honestly, just put Hove in okay, there. Yeah, we can. Y'all gonna be, y'all gonna be, y'all gonna be creating some. I want to be in there. I need to get, I need to get on that group chat. You know, they're gonna be making money moves. Yeah. <laughs> 
But also, we have two questions that we always ask on our podcast when we end out. First one is sometimes we don't be knowing who we get on the podcast. So we got to ask you, who should we have next on the podcast? Who do you think would be great to come on to talk to that would fit the mold for a Two Black Runners podcast? Um, my roommate that had all my Team USA meets since 2016 is Kendall Williams. She's a heptathlete and she just won her first major medal, a bronze medal right. at World Indoors in Serbia. So I think she'd be a great option. She also went to University of Georgia um, and X, yeah, X, I think she's also a seven time NCAA champion. And she really inspired me too going when I went to UGA and she had won an NCAA title as a freshman. Like she was the one that, she was the one that first put it in my head, like maybe you could win an NCAA title as a freshman. Cause that's not really like a thing that commonly happens. Great, yeah, great recommendation, great recommendation. <laughs> and then last question, uh, last, it's kind of deep, but we like to end on it just because it's, it's a great overall just feel of everything that uh, we spoke about in this show. Just what mark do you want to leave on the sport of track and field when it's all said and done? Yeah, I I feel like I have already done this and I'm still continuing to do it, but pretty much just starting that era of greatness in the triple jump in the women's triple jump and era of success. Um, so before I had broken the American record, I think it was like 1440. And we're now in the place of a woman of the women's triple jump where we have three, three women who have jumped over 1440 and we do it several times and like making Olympic final. I'm the first American woman to make an Olympic final twice. So like uh, doing things that have never been done in the women's triple jump and trying to make it more popular for a young woman. Cause I think a lot, I see a lot of talented athletes who will want to go to the sprints cause they know like, oh, they're gonna show the sprints. The sprinters are who have the, the contracts. They are the people who get the popularity and the followers. Like there's a lot of attraction towards a sprint. Sprints and that's, I think that sometimes takes athletes from triple jump. And so, yeah, just continuing that greatness era um, in the women's triple jump, hopefully becoming the first uh, American woman to win a medal at the Olympics. And uh, yeah, just being remembered as like that, that starting point for where women's triple jump is at today. I think the fact that you said continue the greatness that you already started is pretty telling of the person that you are and the excellence that you strive for. And I'm just glad we're able like to talk to you and have this conversation because now I'm more motivated than ever right now. I may start trying, I may try a high jump. I've always wanted to be a high jumper now. I mean, have to, have yeah. to pick, <laughs> pick track back up, but no, I'll definitely, I appreciate the conversation. Like this is, this is a great, this is a great time. And, and yeah, Aaron, you got anything else before we get out of here, bro? Thank you, KO, for KO the Comp. Thank you for coming on to the show today. Appreciate everyone listening in. And yeah, now y'all know, y'all know who to follow in Triple Jump this year. Y'all know who's gonna be top dog competing for those medals for us. So make sure y'all tap in to World Championships and to USAs to watch Katura knock out the competition like she always does. But yeah, just appreciate you coming on. You deserve all the flowers because like you said, you've already have put so much greatness into the triple jump. You're already transforming triple jump. So I just hope that we can help it to continue, continue to grow and more people know about, you know, triple jumpers. I need to, I need to learn more myself. So I appreciate you. Yeah, I, I really appreciate being on here. I had fun. And if anyone listening wants to follow me, my Instagram is at K-T-O-R-R-1 and my Twitter is at Katora Orji, K-E-T-U-R-A-H-O-R-J-I. Yeah, let them know. Let them know. Thank you so much. Thank you for everybody listening to this episode of Two Black Runners Podcast. We'll catch y'all next Tuesday. Let's get it.